Hey there. Welcome to the Dealership Fix-It Podcast. Hey, uh, so tonight, episode 23 is what we're going on uh, tonight. I have the privilege of having a guy named Brooke Farquhar coming on out of uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. He owns a shop out there called Moto Works. Um, it's been around since, uh, I think, approximately 2015. And it's a membership-driven um, you know, I think his write-up on his Facebook page, membership-driven, uh, moto, community-driven, uh, focused facility, I think is, I, I may have just mismatched how that comes together, but um, it's a membership-driven uh, uh, service and, and repair place, um, and he's able to do some interesting uh, uh, stuff out there, and he's got some a real cool core following in that way, and to me, the bigger, more exciting part of what he's doing is he's engaging uh, beginning motorcyclists. So if you've listened to some of my podcasts before, you'll know that uh, one of my hot buttons is that I've worked around a lot of shops, big, small. Um, and, you know, I, you, being around shops, you definitely get to a point really quickly where you're like, okay, this is my comfort zone. I'm in a shop, you know, it smells like tires, it smells like oil, it smells like new motorcycles and service department smells like potentially uh, old bad gasoline, you know, that's being pulled out of uh, some old rickety bikes. So, but I know that it's hard to, for guys working at shops to continue to uh, use the eyes to understand a fresh person coming in has zero comfort zone, right? So if somebody's never been in a shop or somebody's been around shops, but it's been a while, somebody doesn't come into shops very much, it's not their sort of their wheelhouse, not their comfort zone, right? They don't spend time there. So what I'm excited about for kind of like what Brooke's doing is he's um, he's finding a way to engage people with uh, taking a lot of the pretense out of it, right? So it's not the big uh, glamorous shops, which I love. You know, I love to go in, a big wow factor. I know those guys pay a lot of money. And so <laughs> for that uh, real estate and for that overhead, so I know that they want the wow factor and they get it. But I think there are certain um, of this, you know, especially this younger generation that's coming up that may not have been exposed to motorcycling early. Um, they may not be in a position where they're really comfortable with all of that and what's for me and I come into this mega shop. So I like the idea of for those who need it, being able to engage at a, at a level where, where Brooke is doing it, um, sm uh, smaller core following, uh, more cozy atmosphere, definitely very engaging. <clears throat> Safety is a big uh, uh, core value of his. Um, maintaining, repairing your bike. So I love a lot of that for uh, you know for fear that without guys doing what he's doing, there will be a certain amount of uh, uh, fall through the cracks. Right. Um, I'll give you the example of uh, working at a, a Yamaha shop I, I was at in Irving, Texas, for a number of years. And I remember um, uh, across the highway under an, an, a bridge, you know, like there was you know, a few blocks away, there was this little, I don't know, suitcase. I think they sold suitcases and luggage in this little uh, storefront. Well, all of a sudden they started selling some little uh, off-brand little uh, scooters, like little, you know, miniature sport bike looking deal. 
and they were not of any uh, decent quality. Let's say that. Uh, um, and I started getting immediately people showing up at my door that I'd never seen. You know, at this at the shop, at the Yamaha shop I worked at in Irving, people would show up and say, "Hey, uh, do you have a, a, a chain?" link that fits this and they would show me a chain of, of a size I'd never seen before and I was like what is that off of that's not anything that I would even my smallest you know 50 cc or whatever uh, bike or quad wouldn't wouldn't have a chain that small what is this from it's bigger than a bicycle smaller than any power sports units I had ever had he'd tell me well I couldn't help him there's literally nothing I could do to provide that to him but it wasn't just a chain it was a lot of times oh I'm here with this broken part or that broken part and what was frustrating to me back then about that wasn't that this person bought something from anyone else or that I couldn't sell them something, but it was watching them, you know, realize that, oh, well, the, I went back to the place that sold me the, the bike and they couldn't give me parts. They want me to buy a new bike. So <laughs> here we are not able to serve them. And it was frustrating to me because I thought, what if that's this person's shot at, at motorcycling or power sports right and then that was their experience and it wasn't a good one they just determined that power sports is you know a big huge waste of money and time and and it's more aggravation than it's worth because it seemed like it was gonna be a lot of fun but i can't keep the thing running i can't keep the chain on it so i guess i only go back to that because i think i hate the idea of of uh, those who would entertain power sports who 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 are uh of a propensity to to want to do it and and they've been barriered out i don't i don't like that idea so um i do really like what uh what brooks got going on and uh tonight we get to uh to jump on and, and this is a longer it'll be a longer podcast uh um we get talking about ideas and kind of going off and it's late here it's you know it's 11 o'clock coming up on 11 o'clock here on a Thursday night and Brooks out on the East Coast, so I talked to him and it's he's three hours ahead. So we we I called him at midnight. So we brave the uh, we brave the no sleep so we can kind of share the some conversation. So hopefully you get something from it. Um, I'd ask you to please share this with anybody you know that uh, that you think would enjoy this sort of content in the business or otherwise. Um, and let's keep this thing chugging along. Give me uh, feedback directly. You can email me at uh, dealershipfixit at gmail you can, uh, I think, message me through this platform in the show notes. There should be something there that where you can message me if you have the questions or uh, that. So anyway, without further ado, here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Brian with the Dealership Fix-It podcast. Hey, this is episode number 23. And in Dealership Fix-It podcast style, I've coaxed somebody from the East Coast who owns a shop to come on in the middle of the night. I think it's midnight for him now in like two minutes. So I've got Brooke Farquhar coming on from MotoWorks out in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And uh, he's got a really interesting setup out there. He's got um, his own shop and it's one that really is catering to helping uh, embrace those who 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 need to be embraced those who are coming into uh motorcycling and who don't have enough uh, knowledge and uh, but but want to be a part of how it all works and i think uh i think he's found that he's got a, a bit of a calling a bit of niche 
and and I think there's some other shops like that in the country. But uh, I was glad to talk with him and hope to uh, kind of expand on what what that all looks like with him. Uh, Brooke, thanks for joining me tonight. Oh, it was uh, my pleasure, Brian. It's happy to be with you. So you uh, started this gig in 2015. I wonder if if I've got that right. I think I wrote that down. 2015, right? It's it's beginnings are there, but okay. the that's when we first came into the to the building. But the building was a, a disaster area when we started. It was a construction site for almost a year. Oh wow! Okay. So it, you would you would, I'm coming up on I'm coming up on three years now. Okay. And it's been uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. It's uh, the it, it, very unassuming from these. As they say, from these humble beginnings, something that you didn't anticipate what it was initially going to be, it, 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 it turns into something that exceeds all of your expectations in so many different ways that, that it, you, you're, you pinch yourself uh, half the time at the end of the day that because I'm just so happy that I had an opportunity to do just what happened in that one day. Uh, and, and they just they stack up on top of one another, and and it's a, a deeply and profoundly wonderful feeling to know that there's people out there that have some interest in uh, learning how to do some stuff on their own motorcycle, and they they understand that that when you're connected to the machine, it makes you safer, smoother, faster. And, and it's another means by which to appreciate this this incredibly wonderful and unique sport that we've all been so lucky to spend time in. It's uh, when you when you describe it in the way you're describing it, it, it leads me to believe that you're able to attain what I think a lot of people look for in a lot of different ways, and in, in between you know life and home and family and personal and professional and all that jazz is just trying to find themselves in kind of that zone the zone you know where everything's you know you're you're in the place where you're like this is this is what i want this is where i want to be doing more of this so so if you would share kind of the story to how you got you know to where you're at today and then of course we'll unpack that and and know more about what the shop does and i want to i want to know more about it because i think more guys you know should should look to either understand it and know you know what they can't offer at a regular traditional shop or you know, maybe they say, man, this is, you know, this is something we need to plug into. We, you know, we won't be able to do it in the same exact way, but maybe we need to learn from, from that and who we can engage better. The, there are definitely aspects to, to the, the to what I'm doing that, that ev- everyone from a full line dealership all the way down to uh, a, a one man band, independent, very small place can benefit from. And, and, and a lot of them do it every do it every day. The, but at, at its at its very beginning, I was I was happily ensconced in an oversized two car garage attached to my house, and had some friends that were coming around that didn't have the knowledge base that I did, and the technical skill that I did, and and some of the equipment that I had that wanted to learn more. And it and the, the harebrained scheme, as it came to be known, was well, we want to do this and this and this. Well, it's a kind of, it's a little cramped in here. Uh, well, let's go look for a place. Any place we find is going to be too far out of town, too expensive, or a disaster area. 
and sure enough, it was close enough and it was affordable and it was a disaster area. So it was a year's work uh, to get more power in it and replace the windows and this and that and the other thing. And the list just went on and on and on. And I agreed to come out of my little garage if, if we were all going to agree that when it was finished, it wasn't just our tree house, that it was going to be for other people that in some way it would provide an opportunity for me to put something back in the sport. I wasn't even thinking of it in a business sense at the time. None of us were. I just wanted to give back. My greatest experiences throughout my entire life are all pinned to this sport. And I wanted to give something back and, and at the risk of it, putting an entire generation in some kind of pigeonhole, the commentary always runs that, and these, these kids don't know how to do this and they don't know how to do that. Well, it was to, to teach them that you pull the wrench, you don't push it, that you use a six point socket instead of a 12 point box end wrench, because that's what the piece of hardware wants. If you can get it on there. And from there it became well, maybe there is something that can be done here. If, if it's the response is this good on this small scale, then let's throw the net, cast the net a little more wide and see what the interest is really like. And, it, and it's been overwhelming. Part, part of that is because of the space that we created. It's, it's an incredibly warm and inviting and, and entertaining space to hang out in. And, and, we, and we're not exclusionary based on what somebody might ride, whether it's Italian or Japanese or American or German or whatever the case might be. And it's and and the and the chili's pretty damn good. And and it, you know the races are on a couple of big TVs when it's a race weekend, and it's a great place to hang out whether you're a member or not. And it and it's turned into something that it's exceeded every expectation that I could have possibly had. So you're, you're eventually, I mean, you've sort of opened a, a coaching business, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the, the, that term coach is, is works pretty well. The, the fact of the matter is if, if, if you don't have a, if you're a bit of a dry sponge and you learn some foundational technical skill through motorcycling, then that's foundational technical skill that you take to putting up a curtain rod or any one of a number of other things, your hand and eye coordination, the way that you work with tools and, and, uh, and then a feeling of empowerment of, Hey, I can probably fix that. Mm -hmm. After all, I changed my own oil and I mounted a set of tires. And you know, if they're, if somebody's a family member or an associate says their car's making a funny noise, you're going to go, well, let's go take a look at it. And if and if even those little things are all that I ever accomplished, then then I'm I'm happy. Well, yeah, it, that, that's the difference. I think is it sounds like what you're what you've got going on is that you're putting your I don't know money where your mouth is, I and mean, like you're saying, you know, people will give the younger the generation now that's that's coming up, and you know, well, they they don't know, they don't, you know, they're not technical on this. They can't work on, you know, if if that's Obviously, there's many sort of, uh, you know, broad stroke 
uh, that I've heard, you know, to do with different, the younger generation. And of course, that's probably the most typical old timery stuff that will go on about the, you know, the generation now is, is nothing like we were sort of deal. But I think yeah, what you're saying and, is and every generation and each generation says that, <laughs> you know, the, the, can you imagine what our parents thought of the music that we listened to? Oh yeah. Their parents thought the same thing about the music that, <laughs> that they were listening to when they were, when they were in teens and in their twenties, turn that, I mean, every generation says metaphorically, at least turn that racket down. (laughs) Well, yeah. And then the example that it sounds like what, for what you've got going on, that's different though, is instead of, you know, being the ones who either laugh and point and say, ha ha, yeah, we're, we're better somehow because we're older and, and, and have this experience and you don't, or, bitch and complain about it or like you've done in this case where you're you're saying okay no no i i'm let's show them let's see if they have an interest in doing this let's make sure they're empowered to do this it's you know it's not this isn't this isn't something you know that anybody with with desire can't learn over time or get better at right and 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 that's that's a kind of a micro example of it right so so if you take a the uh younger person well, let's back up for a second. The the part of the of the thing is motorcycling has always enjoyed and and will continue to always do so. It is my sincerest hope. A level of romanticism and allure and excitement that you can't really apply to many other things, if anything. It's aviation, but but you know, and that and the exhilaration of flight. But how many people have access to that or scuba dive it? But again, it's not a great deal of accessibility compared to things like those two things. Motorcycling's appeal is almost universal and it is, you know, orders of magnitude more accessible. Mm -hmm. So for a young person that didn't grow up taking something apart just to see what was on the inside or working on their own skateboard or their own bicycle, and their first car was a piece of junk and they had to learn or their whatever it might be, they didn't have that period in their upbringing that led them to having uh, that inquisitive nature and foundational skill and, and a willingness to, to try something mechanical, let's say. Mm-hmm. But the allure of motorcycling stands there and they want to find a, a, a path to that. So the, the dealership experience, as you know, can be something that is intimidating, not necessarily because of the behavior of the, of the dealer network, but a, a first entree or, or inquiry into going to look at motorcycles or learn about things it can be a little overwhelming and it can be a little intimidating for somebody who doesn't have it as any aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's part of the thing is, well, this, this place doesn't care what I ride. They'll teach me how to do what I need to do in order to get this bike that I can afford running or keep it running. The first thing that I heard when I went to visit there was, have you looked into the safety course? And that's the way to do it. You you do it the right way. You get your motorcycle license. You get the instruction. You know, if 
these are the these are the best books to start with. What kind of motorcycle? And they, and it just grows out from there. And if you provide a warm, inviting, relaxing place, and you don't talk down your nose to young people like so many dinosaurs like myself do, <laughs> I, I see it with regularity at when I end events. Right. That that that's how you grow the sport. The 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 folks at Body Glove when they make a wetsuit for a little kid, they're not making any money on that wetsuit. They're they're seeding the sport, mm-hmm. and and that's what that's what other sports do, and that's what motorcycling needs to do a little bit more of. A lot of times, I think as I'm talking to different of my clients at dealerships. You know, these are sometimes there's guys that have been around dealerships. You know, there if the guy's forty years old, he might have been around dealerships as a kid, as a as a customer, and then he went to work at a dealership in his twenties. So he's been there a long, long time, right? And they're they're so comfortable, like that's their zone. And in walks somebody that's never been in a shop before, you know, or somebody that's obviously like you can tell when they walk in that it's very foreign to them. And there's so much to take, and they don't know where to start. They don't want to ask a question. And, you know, they don't want to be the the guy that walks in and he picks up like, oh, this looks good, and, you know, at the at the um, regular uh, clothing store or something. And they're like, that's the ladies' side, you know, like, oh, oops, I didn't know what I was doing, you know. I, I you know, right. we've all witnessed that 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 still exists. And what I think is, you know, yeah. I think enough shops that I that I deal with, at least, you know, the the folks that I interact with a lot, by and yeah. large, they're all ready to embrace. But I think they've lost the they've they've you know they they begin to forget what a big um, scary place that can be when it's your comfort zone and you're trying to comfort somebody coming in, but that, that gap is so wide. That's where I think, you know, where, where you are going that next step further and embrace and, and take a lot of the pretense out of it that really, you know, looked good to me. And that's why I wanted to be able to have a conversation with you about it. Cause it, it's more important now than ever, you know, with trying to go, how the heck do we engage this younger audience? I mean, they just want to play on their phones. Well, you know, maybe yeah. step up, maybe find a way to, you have to maybe put out a little more uh, on the side of, uh, you know, the value of what you're putting out and, and how easy it is, the barrier to entry, remove some of those, you know, for this audience. Maybe that's what's going to take. And I think, you know, you've got a great start on that. Right. Pretty. And, and uh, thank you. But then, and I believe that, I believe that that is the case there. The, the challenges is, is how do I get to them? Or you go, you or or how do I get them to come in? I think historically the perspective it has been, how do I get them to come in? Mm-hmm. And and maybe for a larger organization that has more resources than I do, you go you it's it's broad strokes of course, but you go to them. So. You ask whether or not at a music festival with the promoter or the organizer, can we have some bikes in the part of the parking lot that the most people walk past? Mm-hmm. To take the take the sport to other places, mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. It, it, it's important, but it doesn't matter as much in the context that you and I are discussing it. That the Indian dealer has four or five, six bikes over as part of a bike night. Mm-hmm. That's important, but in the context of, of trying to bring people into the sport and particularly younger riders and 
it's it's more important it's it's of greater value i think and of greater importance to load some of them up at least in that in that scenario load them up and go where the kids are go where they are and it's shop i don't know that you would so i'll show my age a little bit or, or you have them at the mall does, does do young people even go to the mall anymore i don't i don't know <laughs> that's a great question i don't know yeah uh it it i i think that that's that is can waning they, can they use that, their phones there right hmm? <laughs> can they use their phones there at the mall right go right yeah <laughs> the right that quintessential photograph of the the kids on the field trip in the art museum and behind them is a uh, Chagall or a Renoir or something, and they're, and they're all looking at their phones. And it, these, I think a lot of these younger people feel a, a, a little pin cushion, you know, by and from a lot of different directions. And I didn't want my sport to do that. I, I, I kind of reject the idea of it of it being that way. It, it, I, I can't. I cannot. This will not stand. I cannot. I could not sit idly by and, and let this stand. And the and, and the idea of not being welcomed when you set foot in a dealer, you know, there are good, you know, there are good dealers and bad dealers and and ones that are in between and 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 people when when you do something wrong, no one forgets and when you do something right, no one remembers and if it's bad, then they're going to tell ten people as quick as they can, and if it's good, then they're going to tell one. Well, if the numbers are something like that, then that just means that you have to do the very best you can and you've got to suit up and get in the game and you got to stay excited and you got to stay enthusiastic and you have to have some interest. You can't, you can't be behind the parts counter and look up from your magazine and hope that the person who just came through the front door turns towards the sales department right. and doesn't come to see me. Right. And that's the, that's the, if I was a full line dealer, general manager, or owner, I, I I I don't know that I would know exactly where to begin. How do you inspire and motivate people? Your, your staff. You're, you're only as good as your people. It's a never ending thing. Well, you know, I, I've had guys. I don't know <clears throat> if you've listened to many of the podcasts, but I've had some other guys on. I'm trying to. I'm sp- and it's, you know, it's late for me. I know it's really late for you, so I'm not able to put my words together quite as nice as I could earlier today with plenty of caffeine in my, in my uh, on the road doing sales today. But um, there's, you know, there's definitely, there's. Get, spit it out, Brian. Man. <laughs> <laughs> the, I guess what I'm thinking is that, you know, the get, I have things that bug me. Obviously, the things that bug you, I can, you know, or, or in this case, what we're talking about is is given a, you know, a, applying a label to the younger folks that we all should be embracing. I feel, and maybe not exactly in that scenario because I do as well, but I definitely what really bugs me quite a bit is when a guy will come in and say, "That's not a motorcycle. That's a three wheeler." For example, in the in the you know, yeah. Pan Am Spiders or you know Harley Freewheelers or you know name that thing a slingshot, and I'm like, who cares? You know, like don't be so exclusionary about right. that. Like that, we should be proud to have that. Oh, that thing's electric; it doesn't count. Or that thing's name that, but it's a power sports dealer right. selling it. And I want right. to say, like, guys, you're missing the point. Do you think that this is like we're in our heyday of like 
everybody wants this and we just got to, you know, we beat them off with a stick. Like, yeah, we'll let you know if we're going to, if we think you're, you know, re- attained the level that you may have one of these. To me, it's like yeah. embrace them. Yeah. Maybe they don't feel comfortable on a two-wheeler. Maybe they're not good in balancing. Maybe they got a, some sort of medical issue. Maybe they'll have one later. Who knows? Who cares? But right. embrace that desire that they have and let's show them how to have some fun. We all right. enjoy that same and, feeling. And, right. And that, and, and that, that department head or owner or general manager at that dealer, how, how, what does he or she do in order to have some level of assurance and confidence in their staff that if that person comes in and it's something that is foreign to them, that they don't, that you want them to say, those, that's pretty cool. What, how do you like that thing? Are you enjoying it? How long have you had it? Mm-hmm. Express some interest in it. And, 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 and if that doesn't happen, at least there's a void there. And the worst case scenario is, what did you pick that for? Right. Well, the worst thing that could happen would be that your staff member would do what you just enumerated. Right. So it, the, it's a, it's a never ending I'm sure it's a never-ending source of frustration. Of, the, of all the dealerships that I've worked in, that the one stands so much higher than all of the others because the entire culture across everybody in every department, almost without exception, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna find people that are just not well suited to working in a place where they interact with people instead of machines or something that are just outside of what their 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 talents are but but their level of inspiration and motivation that they provided to their staff was unparalleled i never encountered or heard about or read about anything like it in my entire life and i learned a lot i learned a lot there even though i was only there for about 18 months and that was and it it was it was with Bob and Suzanne Hennig at Bob's BMW in Jessup, Maryland. And they're a single line standalone BMW only facility. And it begins right at the front door. It's, it says welcome in eight languages on that front door. And, and when you come through the door, somebody is going to stop what they're doing and come over to you to say hello and ask you if you have been in before and if if that the coffee is over here and we just made it and the service department is over there and apparel is over here and uh, I'm sure somebody else besides me is going to check with you in just a few minutes because that's what we do here. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask and thank you for coming in. And, and it, it's just... The, 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 when somebody came through the front door, I don't want mean to belabor the point, but this always struck me as being uncanny. When somebody came through the front door, everyone on the floor looks around to see who else is on the floor that can see the front door. And one, two, three people trade a glance in the blink of an eye, and somebody just nods their head and says, I'll take it. And they're going to do the hello and welcome to Bob's and 
have you been in before? So, so, and it and it just became part of the normal way that the facility works. It was extraordinary. This is ringing to me like uh, I'm, I'm hearing, and I'm not a big baseball fan, but my kids play baseball. I mean, I grew up playing a little bit of baseball. I was never any good at it, but the uh, the the sort of the coaching you got to have the coach encouraging the team, and they got to be coming from the right place. And if the coach is coming from the right place, they can get the team through their coaching to be of the right um, persuasion, the right opinion, the right mentality of how to then show up and serve or, or take care of business. And then what you just said is the old like pop fly looking around, who's calling it, who's got it, communicating right. with the team. I mean, I'm like sitting here. I know I just got home from from baseball and all, so maybe I'm hearing what I want to hear. But the, the, the metaphor, the metaphor works. It, <laughs> it it absolutely works because the 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 the, the thing, the importance of uh, it being a positive experience, it, by, you could probably like distill it all down to, to Bob's thing was, and I had learned this before, but, but he instilled it in everybody that was there. There are so many things that compete for our customers' discretionary time and money that I don't care almost whether or not they're going to get a brand new BMW from me or from anybody else or what they get. My most important thing here is that they have a positive experience in the sport of motorcycles Mm -hmm. and then they're going to stay in it and they're going to share that with their friends and their family members, and anyone who will stand still long enough to listen. Because we all like to share a story about something that was fun and made us feel good and made us feel valued and made us feel important. Mm -hmm. And that was his thing. And it it worked. It worked. But they're going to go find something else to do. If you have an instinct that one of your people behind your parts counter is off-putting to your customers or whatever, then chances are you're right. Yeah. And that person is that person is hurting your dealership more than you you can quantify with real numbers. It's it's instinctive. It's instinctual. You know, it just occurred to me right now. Maybe one of the things that the motorcycle industry doesn't do that it needs to do is uh, shoppers in the apparel industry and in the automotive industry. I would imagine automotive dealers do this, but I don't know that. I would imagine they do. You pay somebody to go in cold. Secret shoppers. Yeah, secret. There you go. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Secret shoppers, right? That's, yeah. uh, I, I don't. I don't know that I've ever heard of an instance of that ever being done. Why? Well, it's funny. I. I guess I've heard. I. Th- I want to say, and I don't know which manufacturers do it. I, I mean, I was at Honda for a few years, and I don't remember us doing it, although they might have and just not told us they were doing it. But I and if heard, anyone would, if anyone would do it, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, I know that um, I always heard. You know, I talked to people talking about um, their PSI scores and these sort of things, and I heard about it from Yamaha, and I just literally, I think an episode ago, a week ago, or whatever, and I did a, an episode where I didn't have. Uh, one of my guests fell through on scheduling 
And I just jumped in. I was like, oh, some interesting uh, stuff in here. And I jumped onto Power Sport Business. Um, and I read an article that was about that. And, um, and it was about how, but it was about phone calls, like, you know, a, a customer submitting a lead, including phone and email and name and a dealer, how, what percentage of the time did they respond back in an hour, in 24 hours or at all or not at all. Right. And it was shocking right. to me because I was like, really, really in this day and age, you, you know, there's that many dealers who can't even respond in 24 hours to a person that serves up a hot lead, you know, to them. They don't, you know, in the case of those, they, you know, they were, um, they were uh, secret shoppers in that way, but not physically, you know, in the store, they're virtually, you know, physically or uh, secret shopping. But yeah, I mean, that, that would be a great way to gauge it. And like you're saying, it, it happens in other industries. It would, maybe it'd be smart for them to do the same thing and evaluate their team based on it. Right. They're, right. It, it, it requires, a, it requires a high level of investment from the manufacturer's perspective or from uh, Kohl's or, you know, these, these larger uh, uh, entities that would have some interest in knowing what their customer experience is like mm-hmm. on a small scale, uh, a, a dealership principal could have a friend or a relative or somebody visiting from out of town or put it, put in, you know, surreptitiously. So it, 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 might have to be done that way hire hire somebody to do it i'm sure there's a organizations that have people available but you would want to you would want to train that secret shopper a little bit you know you're sending them in for an apparel experience to get fitted for a helmet gloves boots and a jacket and and how patient is the person that helps them how knowledgeable is the person that helps them were they engaging? Did they talk about other things? Did they have some interest? Were they a good listener? It, it's all fundamentals, right? You you had kids baseball tonight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good the kids' movements are with their upper body. If you're not stepping into the swing, there's no power behind it, right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter how well merchandised your apparel area is or the spacing between all those new bikes is just so and the angles match and, and everything is clean. You, your staff has to have really strong fundamentals. And, and one of them is the things that we all as human beings enjoy. Somebody has, expresses some interest. Somebody listens when I'm answering. They look you in the eye when they say hello. It, it's that kind of stuff. And, 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 how you build that and how you grow that, that's a really big challenge. Yeah, I like the, um, I definitely like where you're coming from on, on taking the pretense out of it, you know, engaging, you know, obviously the, I think it removes a lot of the, the issues we're talking about at some of the, some of the larger places. I think it's, you know, it's still a, a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, I know we hate to say it, but it's still a lot of alpha male, you know, competitive testosterone going on in shops. And I, I can't say I'm, I'm any different. I'm a man, you know, so whatever level of understanding I have to, to not being in that scenario. But, um, but I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, you're not a, oh, you're riding a quad. Oh my God. You, I'm a, 
I'm a moto guy. I wouldn't ride with a quad guy. I wouldn't even talk to a quad guy. Right. I mean, that's, I don't say that, but obviously I grew up riding three wheels and quads. So, but I, you know, moto guys, that's what they think for, 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 you know, quad guys, for example, you know, and, uh, and I that's tough. It's hard. And, you know, I mean, it's, if, if that's the way, you know, that needs to be maybe rooted out or at least made those guys to understand. But I think that's a, that's a coaching scenario too. Let me, uh, let me take a quick break and I will, we'll be right back. Cool. So the, All right, the, we're back. Cool. <laughs> um, it's, nice be, it's nice to be back. <laughs> it is good to be back. So, uh, so we talked a lot of philosophy on the beginning. Yeah. I don't know if um, it was a and, little tangential, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, and I, actually, that's the the sort of conversation we just had is a lot of what I really hope to do on this podcast. You know, initially, it wasn't about you know, getting a guy from X company X to come in and have him, you know, extol the virtues of his particular product or whatever. I want, I want to share some of those in the story more than anything of, of where they came from and that sort of deal. But I really wanted to jump on and have conversations about, Hey, what do you, what have you seen? What do you think? How can we move the needle to the better? And if, you know, if a hundred dealers listen to that podcast, maybe one of the guys is like, Oh man, they gave me an idea. Maybe not even what we said, but maybe just listening in their brain, going to the creative space, maybe give them an idea of how to better their scenario, better their dealership. That's, that's all I want to do. So, but I do wanted, I did want to back up a couple steps and see if, uh, if you'd kind of share, you know, where you came from to, you know, you know, maybe an overview, right? We don't have to delve in too deep and all that. I know I could do the, Hey, I was born in such and such. It, Tupelo, it, it, <laughs> I was born in Tupelo, Mississippi in 1970. <laughs> no, the, well, I, the, I, I had, uh, I had, the, uh, uh, this coming October, I'll, I'll be, I'll turn 58. Okay. And, and the mathematics immediately puts us to, you know, I came up in the seventies. Mm-hmm. I was, was 10 years old in 1970. And I had the quintessential post-war suburban upbringing in a subdivision surrounded by farms and woods and, and you know, Bruce Brown's uh, uh, epic cinematic on any Sunday mm-hmm. uh, left quite a mark on me. And, and that was, that was the, the, Part of the beauty of my upbringing, I was always attracted to motorcycles from uh, as early as I can remember, and I remember in kindergarten and first grade being attracted to that the sound and and that the vehicle was going by and the operator was in it, not inside it, mm-hmm. and it when it and it never went away. It, it just got stronger and stronger and and had dirt bikes on the trails in the neighborhood. I wasn't allowed to have my first one. I had to keep it in a friend's garage and uh, came to work in the industry circumstantially uh, by getting a job that was near where my father lived. My parents had divorced when I was 13. And I, uh, as I'm fond of saying, and I foolishly went to go try and live with my father and that was my first job in the motorcycle industry. And I met people there that are still dear friends of mine to this very day that I went to the Isle of Man with that I still see on a regular basis. 
and I met them in 1978, 78 and 79. Mm-hmm. And so, and like many people who work in the motorcycle industry on a dealer level, anyway, you come into it and then you leave it to go do something else. And then you come back to it and you leave to go do something else and you come back to it. And, and, and I'm an example of that. I worked for a total of six dealers over my career, but not all at once. I left to go work in the Marine industry and I left to go work in the construction industry and, and, and came back to it each time. And it's always been an incredibly passionate thing. For me, mm-hmm. and I and I, I had really great mentors. The, the the old guy, the dinosaurs that taught me in there. You know, they were old racers. One, two in particular, both raced on the sand at Daytona, and I learned a lot from those gentlemen that had nothing to do with motorcycling, just being around them, being with them, and being in their shops at night. And that was what inspired me so much to want to give back. Yes, I'll come out of my nice little garage if whatever we build is something that provides an opportunity for me to teach and try and put something back into this sport that has given me so much. Mm-hmm. And, and a lifetimes of accumulation of tools and equipment and memorabilia and other junk turned the place into a spot that's pretty cool. And the chili's pretty good. Did I mention that? That the chili was pretty good. <laughs> special and it, you and, your, yeah, special recipe. And the and the gentleman that I started it with, their vision kind of diverged from what mine was and and I bought them out and now I'm there all by myself. And it's and it's wonderful. And the way your the way your shop works, right, is um, I know you're on you know you're on like Facebook and 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 the like right. that sort of deal, but you probably get a lot of word of mouth. It's a, a lot of it. Um, the the lesson of referrals that we've learned in this my other company these last seventeen years, and and I've learned this long before then, but it came home and owning another small business. The the referral is the best thing you could ever have in business. Nothing even comes close. And MotoWorks is driven by uh, education and the community of the people that are there, but its growth is almost entirely been referral driven. And once somebody visits, if they ride, then they want to come back. If they don't ride, then they want to ride. It, it, it's it's almost all, it's been like that the whole time that I've been open. Mm-hmm. The, the, the experience that people have when they come, even if it's just for a visit, has, me, has them come back. Even if, it's, even if it's just on barbecue MotoGP night and they don't ride anymore and they don't really have any interest or they don't have the ability to do it for whatever the reason might be, they still come back and hang out every once in a while because they have a good time. We'll make sure that everybody that comes has a good time and that anybody who wants to learn something, learn something. And sometimes you don't even know that you do and you end up, because I'll put you to work. 
if you're there for a visit and I need an extra pair of hands, then you're going to put safety glasses and gloves on and, mm-hmm. and you're going to give me a hand while we're talking. Now, this isn't, this isn't the damn TV. <laughs> I need Joe. Right. <laughs> right. need to just watch. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. We were, that, this is, this race is from last weekend. We all know who won again. Come on in here and help me put this front end back on. So uh, it's structured in a way that helps keep costs down. It's a very modest space, but it's like many dilapidated commercial properties in uh, the East Coast. It was uh, the building dates to 1854, Uh, but it's a very modest 1,300 and some odd square feet. I have, there's three lifts and a press and a lathe and a parts washer and all the hand tools that you would need. And it's, Got a wood stove to keep it warm in the winter and central air conditioning to keep it cool in the summer. And uh, it's all derived based on membership. If you're not open to the public, then it saves a lot of money on insurance because you don't have to have a garage policy. Mm. So everybody is a member. Nobody's motorcycle gets worked on there that isn't a member. And you have an hourly a membership fee, which is never well waived, unlike at the gym. <laughs> we have a membership fee for six months that's very modest, but it covers chemicals and rags and keeping the lights on. It Every little bit helps. And then there's an hourly rate. So you have an hourly rate that's based on working independently. And I have members that come just to, they'll book in half an hour, an hour, just to wash their bike outside and put it on a lift to detail because it's easier than working on the floor. You have $25 an hour independent rate. If I'm involved in the member's work session hand and glove from beginning to end, either because they're doing something they've never done before or they're, they're, it requires two sets of hands, then it's about double that. And then there's hybrid stuff in between. And, and everybody helps each. I have a core group of about five or six that have been an indispensable help to me that I really couldn't have, I would never be anywhere near where I am now if it wasn't for their constant support and assistance. They've been an absolute family to be uh, around and have involved in what I'm trying to do. And, that, and that's basically it. Everybody has a locker like at the gym so that they can keep glove, their the, their safety glasses and their gloves in there and you can keep their own oil filters in there, spare face shield gloves. You, you know, you get the idea. Mm-hmm. And that helps them feel connected to the facility because they have a little small pocket of their own personal space there. And there's three, there's, there's room enough for me to continue to grow. And if I'm, if I'm busting a little bit at the seams, so to speak, I'll be in a very happy place. I currently have 28 members uh, and and some other like sal- satellite associate members of sorts, um, half a dozen or so of those, and it's been terrific. I'm I'm booked pretty well, and I can and I do. I'll do more than one at a time. And I never saw this coming, the the having two people doing things that they've never done before 
and have, working both of their work sessions and their processes at the same time. And it, and it, and it's just, I have no analogy other than making music. When you're not in a band where you're playing the same songs that you play all the time, you're not in the book, but you're jamming with your friends. Mm-hmm. It, and it's just flowing. It's kind of like that. Having experienced it musically, the, that's the, that was the kind of the feeling that I had. And I didn't see that coming. And it was really profoundly uplifting. They do the, if they did the scans of your brain, right. When you're in, in that spot doing that deal, right. It's, it's all as much of your brains lit up as possible. (laughs) Aurora Borealis Corona around me and, and, and yeah, that's what it felt like on the inside. Yeah. 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 Do, uh, do most of the, uh, your members, do they have, uh, one motorcycle? Do they have multiple motorcycles? Are they late model, older model stuff? I guess that's sort of where that, and not that there's only one thing, but. They're, they're, uh, the majority are definitely one bike okay. members. Okay. Would make sense. And that's, if it's and that's a there. very, that's a very good, that's a very good question. Most of them are one bike members. Okay. I would say 10% of them have two or more. And the, demographic is the age demographic is spread pretty broad and some of them came back to uh, came back to the sport because there was something in the corner of the garage that they wanted to get running again and now they're out riding again because they were didn't know where to begin with resurrection Uh we call we call them phoenix projects when something has been uh, sitting and and you need and it's kind of rising from the ashes and <laughs> going to see the light of day again. We call them Phoenix Project. Um, and I have some I have some twenty somethings, some and a bunch of thirty somethings. I have some fathers and sons. Oh, I have cool. some. I have I have four couples that that. Uh, both ride, uh, and it and it it it's always a surprise. It's never boring, and it surprises me every day. Yeah, that would seem like that's an interesting amount of, of variation. I guess I, you know, as as you had told me before, and we you know I looked at your shop online, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And of course, I just in my mind, it's it's more one thing. But then I looked and I saw videos of guys with newer sport bikes up on the lift, and I'm like, oh. Duh, I should know better, right? It's not just any one thing, but in my brain, it's like it's going to be predominantly bikes that another shop might not take in anyway, they're past 10 year mark or whatever, if that's a thing they still do out there that they do everywhere else. I've worked in the industry and at your franchise stores. But uh, that's, I mean, that sort of variation and those sort of dynamics. It makes me think of um, we've got. Um, well, like, you know, right in a town away from here, there's a really cool, uh, gun range that, uh, that I've gone to plenty of times with my wife and they do these like couples packages and like, you can come in and like, if one yeah. doesn't know or the, you know, and obviously the instructor can go and start you both from scratch on how to do this and, and, you know, with safety and comfort and, and making sure everything's dialed in or if one of you does and, you know, they, they take yeah. that on a very sort of a specific to your scenario, they become your advocate, get you to move a couple notches on the board if you're comfortable with it. 
and I, you know, it seems like that's the next level of, you know, how we can serve others, you know, the same scenario you're putting together. And, and that's interesting. The, to your point, uh, the, you made me think of it, the exact same thing. And, and we talk about this before the idea of how, to, what are the fundamental tools that you use to grow the sport? Well, you use fundamentals from human interaction and, and the way that we all live our lives. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a woodworkers co-op that is right around the corner from Moto Works, and they do a couple's date night, mm-hmm. and you make a pen, <laughs> a, a, a ballpoint pen. So you're, you're turning wood on a lathe, and you're boring holes, and you're getting these mechanical pieces to fit in there properly, mm-hmm. and you're applying an oiled finish, and it's for couples. It takes two to three hours. Mm. And when you're finished, you have this beautiful pen yep. that you made. Now, now, in what way does that, and what is the way that that serves them the greatest? One of them that occurs to me is, and, and I don't mean this in a sexist way at all. They have many female members and, and I cherish my female members and that the sport is growing and it's less gender uh, uh, driven than it is than it was historically. Mm-hmm. That that this guy who's into this stuff, his wife or girlfriend or significant other, understands a little bit more about this hobby that he's involved in and how passionate he is about it. And maybe his partner, it sparks some interest in his partner, mm-hmm. and she wants to get involved in it too, mm-hmm. or not. But it, she understands it better, or yep. he understands it. He understands it better. Yep. Uh, and it, and it and that is how do you quantify that? How do you measure that? How does it turn into to money in the bank and helping to keep the lights on? I, I don't. I don't. I don't know that you can. But you still have to do it. Mm-hmm. I was and thinking, that, and, as you were talking about the Phoenix Project before, it made me think. Huh, I wonder if you could take that program, your program, not that you want to, obviously you need your space with your tools and all that, but at some level, is there any sort of on-call like you could do because, not that you're going to swing out here to Portland, Oregon, where I'm on the outskirts of Portland, Oregon, but I was joking this morning with an old friend talking about how I've got my you know one-year-old adventure bike that I continue to bolt stuff on and do basic maintenance on, but, you know, spend a lot of money and a lot of time on, and that's my go-to bike. I go and I ride it to visit some of my customers. I'll go ride it for fun. I'll go and say, oh, I got like a few hours of time here. I'm not going to pull a trailer and an and SUV and go ride a dirt bike somewhere. I'll just literally ride 30 minutes away to the coastal range, and I'll go out in the mountains and some some cool logging roads or something, and I'll get my dirt fix and some trails I'll come home. But my point to that is I was joking with, with my buddy talking about that and saying how I've got several dirt bikes in the garage in various states of, of, uh, capability. I've got, you know, some that are ready to run that I just don't ride. I don't have time or, and want to invest the energy to do that, even though that's what I grew up doing. And I've literally got a, a, an old 87 CR 250, or at least I think it is. Cause that's what the frame is sitting in my garage and the box is full of parts 
And it's been sitting there now for a long time. And my buddy said, you should either sell that or build it. And I said, I want to build it. I don't want to invest the time <laughs> to build it. And I keep thinking like, you know, the old, uh, if you, if you belong to a gym, you know, you're better to get yourself the trainer because they'll hold you accountable. <laughs> and I, oh, you're, yeah. you're talking about the Phoenix project. And I'm thinking, oh, oh yeah. you could, you could go to someone's house and be like, Hey, I'm here. You're paying me. Let's go build something. Go start. Let's, p- let's build two hours worth of something, or at least line it all up and see what parts we need. <laughs> Not that you want to do that on call, but it's kind of funny because I would pay somebody, you know, to come and, and help me with that. If it's, you know, if I'm on the hook for it, okay, we made some Brian. progress. You need a moto drill instructor? I guess so. For that one bike. For just for that one bike, I think. Oh that's yeah, I think I think a lot of people fall into uh, uh that trap. Mm-hmm. The, the, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But it but that's fine if it uh, if it lingers. Yeah. Well, that's, I've 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 become okay with it. I just when I think yeah. when I see one built, I get a little bit like, Oh man, I wish mine was built. Well, I need to do the work to get there and I haven't put time in and that's okay. I'm going to come to that later, but yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I think one of the other things is that remember we talked before about, about how intimidating it can be, mm-hmm. you know, to go into the motor to go down to your local dealer that first time. Mm-hmm. The, and, and part of what keeps people connected to the sport I know there are that there are a whole battery of reasons why this is a bad idea, but there's there's got to be a way. Y- your customer never even sees the inside of the service department. the right. The buildings are laid out in such a way that you don't you don't get to see you don't get to see your dinner being cooked, right? Mm-hmm. So you you have to have them you have to have them see the service department for the first time and sooner in a positive way. Mm -hmm. It it should be, well, we're going to, you know, it's not, you can't bring your motorcycle in here and work on it because our, our insurance agent will have an aneurysm and, and fall over. Right. Because there, it's just can't, you can't do it in modern American society. You can't, you can't do that. But you can cordon it off a little bit and you can create a night where people can come in and get some service department exposure and have a good feeling about it. The, 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 one of the traps I didn't want to fall into was your show is called Dealership Fix It. Mm-hmm. And the idea is how to make things better for the dealers and find ways for them to make the customer's experience better. Mm-hmm. And it grows into the, the business becoming more profitable or a way to keep costs down or any one of the other things that are important to any business owner's daily life. Right. The, the, and it, and I, I'll do it anecdotally and I'll, and I'll, and I'll make it a quick one. I have my very first member came to me with a couple of CB160s that she bought and started working on when she lived in Queens and she didn't know anything, but she did it because she wanted to ride and nothing was going to get in her way. She had done some riding before, but had been away from it for a long time. 
And for her 40th birthday to herself, she bought herself a brand spanky new bike that would fit her. And her delivery experience when she picked her new bike up was a little bit disappointing. But the thing that was kind of striking to me was, okay, well, you're, you're due at 600 miles. So don't forget to make your appointment and do it ahead of time so that your appointment is when you get to 600 miles. Not any mention of you'll be hearing from us. And not any mention of, and this is a universal truism that spans the entire motorcycle industry and has for as long as I can remember. It's a brand new chain. It's going to need to be adjusted in less than 100 miles, probably. Mm-hmm. So, do you want your customer out there running around with 400 and some odd miles on a chain that's never been lubed or adjusted, making so much noise that they, they aren't not sure if the engine's about to fall out of their bike. Right. No, you want to, you want to say, so at about 80 to a hundred miles, stop in and we'll adjust it for you real quick while you wait. Mm-hmm. And you figure out a way to do that, mm-hmm. to make that happen for that customer. And you, and they, and they're introduced to your service writers or your service manager mm-hmm. in that, you're getting something for free while you wait it. This well, is that, how you're meeting. This is how you're meeting the service department for the first time. Yep. And you're quantifying and it, the time that it took them to get to a hundred miles. And you're saying in six multiples of that, approximately, if that's a week to do it, then in four or five weeks, let's put you on the schedule. And, and we and we, every other week we do a lube and adjust chain workshop or the importance of tire pressures. And we have a product specialist that comes in from Arai or Parts Unlimited to do a talk. I mean, you know this better. The, 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 how often does that happen? Your, your day-to-day professional existence has you in, in that area, right? In, yeah, in shops. Yeah. Right. So do your, do your dealers... Does the guy, I mean, do these conversations take place? Well, I'm pretty far removed from their service sort of interaction, so I can't really speak to that. I'm trying to think of if there's any examples recently. I mean, I know I've got some guys where I feel like I've interacted with them for some service work I wanted and been like, wow, okay. Okay, yeah, you guys just exceeded my expectations, and I didn't know I had them. Like, you know, you, I come in, and I'm like, I'm an industry guy. I'm a, you know, kind of a brother-in-law to everybody. You know, I'm in the industry, and right. I, you, know, you just, I just always assume, you know, I'm gonna, they're going to be like, dude, yeah, we're, we're about a week out, but, you know, you're going to get put at two weeks because we don't, you know, we got a better-paying customer than you or whatever, you know. But um, but I don't, I don't know. I know that I see plenty of my dealers through, like, social media, you know, Facebook, those sort of places where they're, you know, putting out an event and it's a, uh, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think if it's so much of a clinic of, of like what you're talking about, or it's more like the old, like, Hey, we've got a guy that just competed, you know, just, or just completed a ride, you know, over this many States and he's going to be here to share his video and we're going to have free popcorn. You know, right. I think that's more of what I see. I don't necessarily think I see a lot of, I know some of my friends that are in, you know, working at distributor, like at, at Tucker Power Sports, you know, Joe Johnson, for example, is a guy down in Arizona, 
And I just, you know, I, I've watched him plenty of times post up. You know, he's in training the staff. I don't know if they do a whole lot of them where it's staff plus consumers, except for if it's in an open house, then those guys arrive and they set up a tent and have stuff to show. Uh, but in that same way, I, I always wonder, like, I think, man, I maybe I should tell some of these guys they should do an adventure bike one because that's my hot button right now. And I would like to go and I would show up and I'd be like, like, like the most eager customer, like getty to go around and, and have all the different booths. Tell me about the yeah. coolest adventure product from the lips of the individual that knows it in depth and they can tell me what I didn't know. And then I can ask clarifying questions and I can become an owner of it, hopefully, or whatever, you know, but um, I I just don't know if enough of that happens, but I know with, you know, the bigger, you know, bigger multi-level multi-store multi-brand franchises. Right. And there's a lot of moving pieces and I can appreciate it because I sit with owners and, and managers of those all the time. And I sit in their office to have a meeting with them and watch how many things come in and out that, pull them out of the zone <laughs> that they want to operate in, you know, like they literally yeah. are like, well, if there was a time to be in the zone, I'm not going to be there today. And here it is at one o'clock and, and I'm not there yet. And I'm probably not going to be there. So that I do feel bad for that, but I don't really think I see as much of what you're talking about. Um, at least, you know, at least not that I'm not that I witness when I'm there and maybe that's something they need to, to connect. And, make and, and, the, and, and the, and the ones that you would do where you're not, have any involvement of any of your reps or or the, the somebody from Honda or Yamaha or whoever it might be the, the ones that you do all by yourself the you uh, you had a really great talk with my friend James Myers at Valley mm-hmm. Cycle Center in Winchester yeah one one of his neighboring dealers uh, that is a standalone Ducati uh, shop in uh, Winchester he does like he does movie nights in his service department. He gets everything clean or it's kind of part warehouse, part service department. He gets everything cleaned up, gets the bikes all moved out of the way. He's got chairs, a projector and a screen and he'll screen a movie or a race. And one of the things that's motivating to him is to have as many people there that night that have never been to a motorcycle shop before. Mm -hmm. He goes to great lengths to get his customers, bring a friend that doesn't ride. And who is I this? Mean, who are you talking about? His name's Donnie Unger. Okay. And it's a, it's a Ducati Winchester, but it, it, it also is, has a moniker of Duck Pond uh, because that's what he was kind of known as before it became Ducati okay. Winchester. Okay. And it, maybe that's the reversal of the thing we talked about before about you don't you don't take the time and the money and the effort and the energy to 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 have the bikes at a bike night. You have them at the part of the parking lot where the kids walk by going into the music festival or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's in reverse. Now you are getting people to come to you because you're inspiring your core group of great customers that you have wonderful relationships with to bring a friend that doesn't ride Mm -hmm. or you're handing out invitation cards, which are cheap to print as everyone's coming out of a movie theater, right? You have that's, there's a exodus of people leaving a place at an appointed time Mm -hmm. or some of the way that 
outreach in whatever form it might take that gets to people that aren't in our sport. Mm-hmm. Well, they've had, and I don't know, you know, all the guys are involved in it, but there's, you know, between like Scott Harden and some of these other guys with either their plus one initiative or give a shift initiatives or whatever, which, you know, had to do give with a, give a shift. Yeah. Bringing in. I like, I like the ring of that. Yeah. That's, that's, and it had, it had to do with, and I, and I'm probably going to butcher it. I don't, you know, I, I remember reading about it and be like, Oh, interesting. And there's been a couple of variations of that, but they had to do with, uh, involving folks in, that like you're saying that are, that have never, never been just exposing new folks to the reality and taking a little bit of the, Oh, wow. This is what it's like. Oh, yeah. I've, you know, I've never, I've never actually been next to a motorcycle before. Yeah. Those look cool. You know, obviously that first step. And I think at one point, one of their, one of their deals that I heard and they were given a prize, like bring, you know, bring your, bring somebody that's never been to a shop and we've got this prize, or maybe it was to the show or something like that, that they had put on. And I remember thinking all that. And like you're saying, that's, that's a great way to reward and have somebody be like, I'll just show up for the free thing. What's the free thing? Oh, a free hat, a free whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. I got, I got a pair of gloves. And they were, and they were, and they were held gloves. They were good gloves. They weren't, yeah, you know, they weren't some cast-off thing. Yep. Or a gift certificate, and then your customer lets get, gets to get whatever they want. Yep. Yeah, it's um. And they and they that you've done great by your customer and shown tremendous appreciation to them. Your customer has done a wonderful thing to help grow the sport, and that gives them something to feel really good about because they're helping to grow the sport. Well, I think that has to be part of, it's like, you know, not that, not that we think it's a good thing, but the old, uh, what was the standardized diet pyramid, the USDA, whatever the diet yeah. pyramid that has, has yeah, been the, debunked. The, long ago. Right. Yeah. But is there anything still holding that pyramid up? <laughs> it's like gotta be backwards, right. Or whatever by now, but, uh, it would have lasted a lot longer if they had just put cocaine at the top or something. <laughs> <laughs> the pyramid says, the pyramid says it's okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I guess that sort of like a pyramid of sorts, you know, the old, uh, you know, like what's, what's the, uh, what's the, um, it's late, apparently late for me. And I know, I know it's really late for you, but I keep spacing out on words. I'm not able to pick the right word up, but the, uh, what do you call it that you build a house on the foundation? That's what I was talking about. But yeah, right. So you go, you go right, and then you immediately hear Michael Palin from Monty Python going, "I built this castle in a swamp, and it just fell over and sank. So I built another one." Yeah, that uh, you have to have a good foundation, and your your people have to have strong fundamentals, mm-hmm. and like, in order to, in order to gr- in order to grow and make your staff an outgrowth of you. The person who cares the most about what's going on inside this dealership is me because I'm the owner and it was my father's before mine or for whatever reason, it's my assets on the line. I, I, this is my tent, my big top. And, and how do I get everybody to perform at the level that, that I bring Mm -hmm. or, or to, you know, to care a little, to care more about the sport and about the success here. And some people, and some people you just can't, some people you just can't reach to paraphrase Struck Martin. (laughs) One of my favorite character actors of all time. 
Well, it's but but many but many that appear many that appear unmotivated and unresponsive, and that you can't you feel like you can't inspire them. It's just a matter of finding a better way to do it. I think I think most people, the vast majority of people, respond well to it. And this industry, the people that work in this industry, it 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 means it means a lot to almost all of them. Yeah, it's like it's unlike a lot of I mean, unlike anything else I've experienced and I've been, you know, 20 something years in involved with either dealership or a rep to dealerships or whatever where I'm where I'm interacting with them. I've been riding for obviously years before that because I was a kid riding mini bikes and then I raced and all that, but it's uh it's unlike any other, you know, how the folks that are involved in it will evangelize, right? Is that the right word? You know, the, the we, we definitely do a bit of that. Yeah. It's, it's unlike any other. And you know, what's funny is when I moved, uh, I moved from upstate New York to Texas to get into the business. Right. And that was my first, you know, other than being a rider and racer and involved with, with it myself, but to work at a shop, I moved to Texas and within short order, I realized, wow, to be in Texas, these people are the most proud to be from the place they're in than I've ever seen. And I don't, I never saw anything like it. You know, um, I, you know, the old bumper stickers of, you know, I'm not from Texas, but I got here as soon as I could, you know, to, you know, everything was a, everything was a Texas edition, you know, pickup or car or whatever. And I was like, I was, and to me, it was like at that same time, I just got into the motorcycle business and I was so proud to be in the motorcycle business, you know, cause I was like, well, it's, you know, it's still work. It's still hard work. You're going to go and work your butt off, but man, I'm excited to get up every day and go do my deal. And I just, unlike anything else, I just, you know, I, I share that story about Texas because like I say, from coming from upstate New York, people in upstate New York couldn't wait to, I'm going to, I can't wait to move away from here. Like, I hate this place. And I was like, then move, you know, and move away, you know, but in the, in the business, or at least the, you know, people that do uh, engage in the sport that we, you know, the, the activity, let's call it not the sport, the motorcycling, it's unlike anything else I've ever experienced, you know, in that way. And it's, me, me too. You, you know, if, if you, if you're not sure, like you meet a person and you're like, oh, I'd probably give them the benefit of the doubt. They seem like a nice person. I heard them say three words. They're probably nice, you know, but then go ride with them and then come back. And before you know it, you're like, Hey, we're on like the same page about and maybe nothing else in life, but motorcycling made that bond, you know, and, and I can't say it always happens, but it certainly is unlike any other sort of way to connect with someone. So that's yeah. to me is why it feels like it's easy to evangelize it, you know, and be like, dude, you need to get a motorcycle. I've never ridden a motorcycle. Well, let's fix that. Well, it's, it's, it's sad and, and, you know, we're better than everyone, of course. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, well, that's, that's the part okay. about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we want them to, you know, to level up. Right. That's yeah, exactly. you you need to experience this. It's not that I'm better than you. It's just that I've leveled up and you need to come here. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's part that that's a big part of it too. That that's why people end up being so passionate about wanting to share it mm-hmm. is because it is it is brought them so much joy. Mm-hmm. Now you had mentioned Bob Hennig, right? From, yeah. from Bob's BMW, and I don't know Bob. No, I reached out to Bob because you told me to, and I, I never heard back from him, but I didn't call him. I just, you know, 
LinkedIn messaged the guy, and I don't know if he ever even reads his LinkedIn messages because, like anything else, who knows what you know what how social media or messaging and that sort of stuff works. But I only ask that because um, I get the impression that you know he's a bit of a mentor to you. But maybe maybe you have a scenario of is there anybody else that you'd call out and say you know this person is somebody I looked up to, or this has really made a kind of a pivotal shift on and me being able to to be here in the zone doing this thing. Is there anybody that you want to call I out? I think we... the, 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 he, he stands above, as far as the, the, the shops that I worked in, he, he stands way above uh, all of the others. And from a personal standpoint, the, the, the profound mentors that I had, uh, they've, uh, they've shuffled off this mortal coil by and large. The, the, perhaps with one exception, though, though he doesn't work professionally in the industry anymore, he did work in it for 40, over 40 years, I'm pretty confident in saying. And his experience pool in the sport is incredibly diverse and, and storied and his experience pool working within the industry on a dealership level is, is quite extraordinary as well. And he, and he would, uh, he, he's just a hateful human being, but he would probably have some interest in, uh, in uh, talking with you and, there's a lot to be, I continue to learn from him to this day. And I had to throw that hateful thing in there in hopes that you'll see it at some point, hear it, hear it at some point, of course. Right. And I, that's what I should have said to Joe Shot. And he's a perfect candidate for you, Brian, because he's got a face made for radio. Um, <laughs> Me too. His, his name is Rick Brooks, uh, R.L. Brooks. And he's and, out in your part of the country. Um, yeah, and I'm, I met him in the first job I had in the motorcycle business back in 78, and we're still dear friends to this day. We're, but we've both been coerced into being judges at a classic bike event day after tomorrow. Nice. Uh, which we share barbs back and forth. They're like, how'd they get you? Oh, they did a lot. How'd they get you? <laughs> and we make these kinds of jokes and everything, but we're but on the other side, you're, you're, you're happy to have been asked and you're honored to help in some small way mm -hmm. because it helps to grow the sport. Well, I'll, uh, I'll revert back to only because I think it's fitting for what we talked about and, and we'll start to wrap this up, but I'll revert back to the coaching end of it. Right. And, and obviously I think, you know, I admire kind of where you're at and where you're headed and where your mind's at, you know, from the, what, what you've said about it. And it reminds me of things like, you know, put yourself in that role to serve, you know, um, even though you're not sure of, of is it's going to be rewarding? Is it going to be a big fat pain in the ass? You know, I, I, and the, the story I'll share is I, you know, you, I told you before this, the reason I made you wait till the middle of the night to record this with me is because I have, uh, uh, a five-year-old in t-ball and a seven-year-old in baseball and w when the season was about to kick off the kids were signed up and my wife says hey you know hattie's uh 
Hattie's team doesn't have a coach. You know, you, you might want to raise your hand and, and coach for the team. And I was like, I don't, I'm not any good at baseball. And she's like, they're five. And I'm like, well, I know. But if I'm a parent and I'm paying to have my kid go play the sport, I want somebody that knows the fundamentals and knows it and, and is passionate about it. And she's like, well, you'll probably get another parent that'll help you. But, you know, you, you know, you really could be a good help in coordinating and you love kids and you, you know, your kid will be on the team and, and at the and time, have, right. And you have great fundamentals. Well, I, I was like, there's no way that I'm the right candidate for somebody else is definitely going to be better than me at this. And I felt guilted into it because <laughs> I didn't want my daughter to not have a team. Right. So I, I raised my hand. Yes. I will take the concussion certification. Yes. you put me through the background check. I will be the coach. I have no idea what that means, but I'll figure it out. And, you know, by a couple, uh, a couple practices and a couple games in, I was like, yeah, uh, plenty of the parents out here know a whole lot more about this than me, but I immediately, you know, with, with, within short order, like I say, within a couple of practices, by the time the, the dust settles and I have an idea of, okay, here's what we're doing. And I got one other parent to help me out as a coach. And ultimately I was like, wow, okay, so I'm coaching and this actually feels amazing to go and help yeah. these little these little characters, you know, and at the very basic level again, um, don't get the impression I think I want to coach baseball for somebody that really needs to know what they're doing. <laughs> but at the bare bones basic side of it, I was like, wow, okay, this is this is awesome. And my daughter isn't even there the, both nights because one night she has ballet and she chooses to go to that, so I'm there without my daughter even being at the field with everybody and it, else. And it, feels, and, it, and it feels fantastic. Doesn't it does. It? it does absolutely. Yeah, so, that, it, that, it, that's the that's the exact thing. Yeah, and and that has nothing that that you know we've been talking about motorcycles the whole time, <laughs> and and that's what we're trying to find, kinda. Mm -hmm. But it has that has nothing to do with motorcycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 just that thing. Yeah, that that deeply rewarding cathartic thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and I think, you know, a guy like you is, is, uh, you know, lucky enough to, to plug that into, you know, the business that, you know, he's gotten so much from and, and saying, how can I give back? That's a great place. I'm hoping to do a little bit of that with this podcast that I just am sharing stories with, but in the same way, I feel like I, I get a little bit of a creative outlet and get to kind of have great conversations and then share them. And then I get people emailing me and calling me and texting me and saying, dude, that was actually, I was really interested because this part of the story, this gave me an idea or this was really a great, you know, story to share. And I'm like, well, okay, great. So these conversations happen all over the place all the time with regular people in the business and that we're talking about, no one hears them. So that's all I'm trying to do is, is, is have a nice conversation and, you know, maybe it, it gives some insights to somebody somewhere and, and that, you know, hopefully it'll be a I'm good sure. way to. Oh, yeah, and, and, it, and it has, I'm, I can, I can listen and listening to, and listening to, uh, shows that you've done with others. Mm -hmm. I, I've learned, I've learned things that I'm going to apply to the way that Moto works, works. Oh, perfect. And, and that's, that's all, that's all we're all trying to do that. We're all trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and any, anybody that works in the industry that would think that 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 there isn't something uh, in in what you're doing that can help them 
be more effective and make and make more money uh, doesn't doesn't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. You, you know what I mean? It's there. I think there's something in every single episode that you do, provided that you come into it with an open mind. Yep. Which I which yep. I have to have because you know I, you know when I talk to a guy like you. Or I talked to a guy like, you know, Michael Jones that I talked to back in, uh, I think, March, who's out of North Carolina. Again, another guy with a highly, very technical background in, in, in work. And that's not my forte. As you know, I've got an 87 CR250 in a box in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the easiest but, you know, easiest bike you can put together, and it just sits there in the box, you know. But not for long. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for that same reason, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of, I talk to the people specifically, I, I try to find people that know a whole lot of stuff that I don't know, because I can go on here and, and jibber jabber about what I think, but I want to talk to guys that, you know, that have a little bit better, um, level up, you know, from, from these other categories or other parts of the dealership. So now, yeah. keep, keep, keep at it, man. You're doing it. You're doing a good thing. Well, thank you're doing you. a good thing. I'll it's, keep it. Helped me, and it's got to be helping others. Cool. Well, I'll keep plugging away at it, and uh, let's keep in touch, and uh, and maybe we'll let some time pass, and we'll have you back on, and we'll jibber jabber about something else. I, I I like the idea of uh, of getting on and bouncing ideas off somebody like you, and having these sort of deals, and hopefully it won't be as late next time, and we won't be both. Yeah, we're curious. doing. We're, we're gonna. We'll try it in the morning, and and uh, and. Uh, the, the lucidity roles will be reversed or something. <laughs> Who, who can say? <laughs> Toothpicks on the eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Right, thanks, Brooke. Thanks for joining me. Everybody, this oh, has been... My, uh, it was my pleasure. Uh, thanks Thanks for having me. It's, been, it's been, a lot, been a lot for me to do it. It's been inspiring, motivating yeah. for me too. So Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. All the thanks. best. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. -bye.